This episode of Filthy Friday Foreplay is sponsored by Make Love Not Porn. Where do I even start with this? Okay, let me go. Let's go. If like me, you're a lover of real life, real sex, you know, the kind of sex where everyone involved is totally into it, then this is the site for you. Make Love Not Porn is the world's first human curated, user generated social sex video platform. Not quite sure what I'm banging on about? Okay. To quote the company's founder, Cindy Gallup, Make Love Not Porn is kind of what Facebook would be if Facebook allowed us to socially sexually self express. What I love is that Make Love Not Porn promotes real, beautiful, authentic sex, and just like Filthy Friday, is a fully inclusive platform. Yay! A platform which embraces messy, awkward realness. And like our Filthy Friday community, Make Love Not Porn is a safe, judgment-free space which encourages users to positively interact with one another. And did I mention, creators are paid for creating. So, if you'd like to find out more, I've added a few links in the episode description. What are you waiting for? The sexual revolution is here, and you are invited to play. Welcome to Filthy Friday Foreplay, the podcast that invites you to get to know the humans in our filthy community a little better. My name's Beanie, creator of Filthy Friday, the UK poll industry's first fully diverse and inclusive space, and I'll be sitting down with some of my filthiest friends as we bear all from pole to soul and everything in between. Welcome, welcome to episode 12 of Filthy Friday Foreplay. This week I'm joined by the magical, sexual, kinky queer babe that is Belle. Belle and I have been following each other for a little while and oh my god, they light up my feed like so much, like literally, literally. So yeah, after the conversation, make sure you follow them. I'll leave all the links in in the description. Hi Belle! Beanie, thank you so much for having me on. I am very excited to chat to you more and get to know you more. And yeah, I've yeah. Oh, don't. Everybody always says that. And I'm like, it's like literally the conversation we were just having before. Like, I am the biggest ball of shit. Like Oscar the Grouch has absolutely nothing on me. So I am a whole mess. So I'm glad that you feel privileged. But honestly, the privilege is all mine. Um, so for our listeners, I've been following Belle. I think we started following one another after one of the um, virtual showcases and then um you you sent a request or i sent a request but we ended up um following one another and oh my god like every time you post something it's just i just love it like i love who you are and i feel like i've known you for the longest time and i know that we've never even met so that's so fucking weird i'm such a creep <laughs> That it, it is weird how that like that can happen like, especially with any form of online connections i think especially over the last 12 months because we've only had online connections yeah that's true you really do like and like the way social media works like 
you're someone is sharing their lives you know, yeah version of their lives but it's still their lives so you do feel like you know the person that you're interacting with every day through liking and commenting and stuff like that yeah that's true that's true and you you always seem so positive as well that's one of the things that i've really picked up on um i know that when i sort of go scroll through my feed and if i'm feeling a little bit ugh, and you pop up i'm just like oh wow like I just I really really admire you I love everything you stand for I feel like we're very similar so I'm really interested to see how this conversation goes I feel like two for tonight is the night that two forces of nature are meeting for the first time and it is like virtual meeting so I'm really excited to see how this goes so Belle I was just wondering if you could tell us a little bit about yourself and what it is you do Yeah, so uh, what I do is very boring. I'm just in a standard kind of nine to five rat race, part of the capitalist machine. (laughs) (laughs) I did philosophy in college. So different to what I studied. And I've always been a creative person as well, like whether it's writing or, well, mainly writing, that's always been my main passion. So yeah, I'm a very creative, big thing person so the, the, I'm in a nine to five job is always something that's like at war with myself I'm like I should, yeah I should be doing something else <laughs> so like how do you kind of what do you do to like find yeah. the time like fan how sorry i just want to apologize to listeners so there seems to be for some reason like a huge delay between um mine and bell's um like conversation so um if we both seem clueless um we are but it's mostly because there's a there's a huge delay um in in the i don't know the technology gods are fucking with me tonight so um yeah so you you work a nine to five like how do you kind of what do you do to find time to be your um creative self yeah that's a interesting question like um i suppose kind of circling back to more about who i am in the sense that prior to the pandemic i was 100 percent in the belief that i was a cisgender man and then pandemic happens and i'm no longer in social situations and it kind of made me realize huh you know what this whole being a man this whole man thing i don't really have much of a connection to it and yeah it just it caused me to do a lot of thinking and a lot of reflecting and then i was realized yeah once i actually got my first like i decided to buy my first dress because i was kind of like I've always kind of wanted to like wear femme clothing and I guess it's one of those things, the social messages we get about gender norms, particularly yeah. in the global north, western world, it's that skirts, dresses, stuff like that, that's only for women and then everything else is men and I've always wanted to like wear dresses and wear skirts, I've always wanted to do that but I felt that I couldn't, I wasn't allowed. But yeah. The pandemic meant I wasn't in social situations so it gave me that chance to be like you know what nobody's gonna see me I can just do it just for myself and see what it's like when I got my first dress when I put it on I realized this feels like me and that moment of this feels like me kind of really forced me to do that reflecting and yeah I realized in the middle of the pandemic 
I'm not a man, I'm a non-binary person. And I think once that happened, it really allowed me to, even when I'm in my nine to five job, even if it's like work that's not exactly, you know, thrilling or fulfilling, which most work. Yeah, that's true. Lucky enough to be doing what you love. Um, But even though the work itself isn't necessarily super fulfilling because I'm finally me 100% of the time it kind of allows me to just have that creativity especially if I finish work because before like when I look back it was really this kind of because I was having this mask on for pretty much my entire day of being in social situations when I finished with those moments and I came back to myself it took so much more mental energy to make myself be creative yeah i can i can understand yeah so it's that's so like because people have so many different stories and i think when you you're an outsider looking in you never really like i never would have thought that that's how like the pandemic you know is how you've really truly figured out um who you are but then that being said like i think that's the time that there's a you know there's a lot of us out there that's a time when we we all figured out you know oh actually like this this pandemic and this isolation and this spending time alone has allowed me to get to know myself better than than ever before um I can definitely, definitely relate to to how you, you know, you found yourself. Um, I feel like the pandemic also with me just kind of with motherhood, um, there were so many things that I thought were, were off limits to me and, you know, weren't accessible to me. And then I, I feel as though that once we hit this time of okay you're on your own like you know there's no nobody around you like you you've got to really like get into it and do this and um it's yeah like it's it's really changed a lot of people um so what one thing that i wanted to ask was so growing up did you ever have any of these feelings or you know is it something that was literally like um the pandemic hit and you were like whoa fuck like this is you know this is me like is was it very new or yeah no that's a very good question and it's one of those things where again it's been because of a lot of reflection i've realized that there was a lot of these moments kind of earlier in my life which i kind of had forgotten about because of the fact that either a mixture of society saying this is what you're supposed to be and then me not giving myself the permission to accept myself like a combination of both of those I kind of forgot about those moments but I remember I think one of the first real moments was you know the movie Billy Elliot and in the film Billy Elliot Sorry, Belle, I got cut off there. I'm so sorry. uh, Sorry, I'm back. I heard the film Billy Elliot. I'm so sorry. Okay, good. (laughs) I'm back. (laughs) No worries at all. (laughs) Um, Right, I'll go back to where I was saying. Um, Yes, so it was the film Billy Elliot. When I remember watching that when I was younger, so I think the first time I watched it, I probably would have been about maybe, I don't know, 10-ish? Yeah. Younger, 
sure I can't really remember when it came out, but there's this bit in it where Billy's friend Michael is like trying on his mother's clothing and then there's a scene where Michael's dad like basically almost like beats the crap out of him. Yes, I remember that. It's implied that that happened. And then there's this bit when, you know, Billy's grown and he's finally the ballet star and his family are going to watch him. And you see Michael grown up and Michael is dressed completely femme, makeup and looks beautiful. And I think I remember watching that film kind of, like I look back now and I realize that was the first time that I kind of saw something that wasn't typically, this is what a man is, this is what a woman is. It was something like a person that looked different. Yeah. I realized watching that film that I think I kind of saw myself in that character, but it's something that I never really touched on or addressed until it came back as a memory kind of after I accepted myself as non-binary. I was just like, that was a really early memory, which I never really touched, you know, acted on. Yeah, Uh, yeah. It's definitely, it was there before, but I never really explored it because I didn't really feel like I could. Like, you know, that's what it was. That's that's completely like again. Like I knew that there was so there'd be so many things that you um sp- would speak about tonight that um I would be able to relate to so much. And um I spoke to my friend last week um for last um episode eleven and she was talking about um coming out and how um you know representation really matters and you know she kind of found herself through tv programs but there are also tv programs and the media you know really scared her um because of how people reacted to people publicly coming out so um i mean we know that representation matters but like what what does that mean what does it mean to you obviously it's like it's been a huge billy elliot for for one um has you know really sort of helped you to figure out who you are um but how do you feel about representation then versus representation now um yeah like it's i definitely feel like and i think when it comes to representation matters, it's like a lot of people think, oh, we're there. We have representation because so much of what the media kind of pushes as what queerness is and what LGBTQness is, is white gay men and you know white lesbians. And that's really it. So there's very like little kind of like mainstream representation of trans people and particularly trans people of colour yeah but for me like representation like what representation matters like it definitely feel like we have come a long way and particularly for non-binary people not even just trans like you know specifically trans but non-binary people as well like the reason that I kind of felt like comfortable in being able to really embrace myself was both seeing uh Jonathan Van Ness on Queer Eye. Yeah. And then also seeing Alok Vade Menon, who is this beautiful, talented queer creator from New York, and they're just amazing. And they wrote this book called Beyond the Gender Binary. And anyone listening to this podcast, I implore you to read it because it really good, does a great job of explaining how made up gender is yeah it's a fantastic book 
I think it's it's I'm I'm sorry like I'm gushing over this conversation already um I spent so much time um I mean I'm so I have um a, a hormonal imbalance so that means that I have um a lot more testosterone than I do um estrogen and I'm not too sure because the doctors have been absolutely useless but the there has been times when um when I was younger where I was kind of like um just really typically in air quotes um male um, and I, I, I still quite am like a, people describe me as boisterous and I used to find it quite offensive because I struggled so much. Um, this, this imbalance also like causes me to, um, grow facial hair and my periods go missing. And I think there was a time where I was also really, really protective of my femininity. And I feel as though, you know, like I wish that there was another word for someone who, who felt like, you know, I, I kind of didn't feel like, I, I, I didn't feel male, but it's so weird. I don't even know how to explain it. I didn't feel male, but I kind of didn't feel female either and I was just like you know what what is this and the the doctors didn't have I mean this is completely this is like literally some Star Trek shit um and the doctors didn't have like any any explanation there was you know there was no um cure for it so I think for a long time I've kind of been like you know the, the there has to be other it can't just be man and woman. There has to be, you know, other other genders out there or just none. Like, why why do we need this? Like, you know, it makes it kind of makes no sense. Especially when you're going through something like that. It's just it just kind of made no sense what was going on. Um but like how do you find because I know you um you follow quite a few people in the are you a performer, Belle? I don't want to be maybe as in I did actually do my first official kind of public performance for there's this uh, Irish uh, show called Pandora's Box. And, yeah. Uh, it's really, really fun show and it's um, very uh, sex worker friendly, which I love. And um, yeah, I did a performance for them. It was called Lab Edition. So it was effectively about performers being able to kind of do different hacks that they nor hadn't done before or new performers give, getting a chance to get out there. So yeah, I did like a lip sync performance. Oh, nice. Not fully drag, but like more just kind of, it was a lip sync to the song, This Is Me. So the performance kind of started from The Greatest Showman. So the performance started off with me having all my facial hair and dressing mask presenting, like looking like a man. And that was the, it was black and white. And that was this kind of really slow, sad part of the song. Yeah. And it changed to being color to me, having gotten rid of my facial hair, full makeup, glam, femme presenting. And the happier part of the song was that. So it was kind of about me accepting myself. That's lovely. I did that, but I don't know if I'm a performer performer. I did do my first in-person burlesque class on Saturday. Oh, nice. Yes, because I used to, I did do a few classes on Zoom and this class was again done in a studio in my local town here in Ireland, taught by the wonderful Ogolly Miss Dolly, a fantastic burlesker from Ireland. Again, 
everyone should go follow Dolly because she is amazing. Um, but yeah, so I'm a wannabe performer. Let's put it that way. <laughs> oh, well, I would, I know, um, I would absolutely love to see more from you. Um, I was asking that question because I wanted to find out what your... Um, experiences have have been um within the performance um community so i know that you follow quite a few like burlesque dancers and i know that you interviewed ava for your um for your own podcast and i know that you're you're also very vocal um about um sex worker rights as well so i thought ah you know maybe that i hadn't seen anything any performances but yeah i just wondered whether um you had any like what have you what's your experience been like within i know it's been um quite brief for now for now let's put this in the universe um but yeah what have your experiences been um within the performance industry what's it been like yeah well like i've always been you know and avid admirer from the outside of just performers and also like and I've always been a staunch uh, you know sex worker rights like you know vocal about it as well it's something that is very important to me and um, like but again when it comes to performance like I in a way when I started the burlesque classes again they were on zoom so it wasn't as the same as my in-person class last weekend but those classes alone that I started those classes really shortly after I had kind of accepted myself and announced that I was non-binary yeah that was a big kind of transformative pivotal moment in my life and going into those burlesque classes it really gave me the relationship with my body back yes beforehand when I identified as a man, I never like never felt like I could be sexy. I never felt like I was sexy. I thought that word, those feelings, were something that was foreign to me. I was never going to be allowed to be a part of that. Yeah. And then once I kind of accepted myself as non-binary and started those burlesque classes, I realised, you know what? I can be sexy. I am sexy. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's kind of what got me into it. And then obviously watching all the fabulous, sexy people, like the Filthy Friday show at the Taboo <laughs> show. And just seeing these fabulous people, different bodies and colours and genders, just, like living their fucking fantastic selves. I was just like, yes. And it's just like, again, it's like representation, kind of seeing. Yes, absolutely. Either like have a similar body type to you or stuff like that. It makes you go, yeah, I can do that too. So, yeah, that's kind of experience. But I guess on the performance side of things, actually, and a tangent, on it as a performance in quotation marks, I do submit uh, my content to make love, not porn. Um, so I guess that counts as performance. That definitely counts as performance. <laughs> it's I've seen some little, um, it is absolutely wonderful. And I was like trying to think, how can I segue into this conversation? Um, but yes, like, I remember the first time I saw something and I was just like, wow, like this is some erotic like shit I am so here for I am so into sex and so sex positive so this is why I was like oh my god Belle needs to be in my life right now like I am tell tell me more about that tell me tell us everything (laughs) 
Yep, happily. And <laughs> I say this every time on my own podcast, like every week I mention it because it's just something I think is so important. But basically, for people who haven't heard of it, Make Love Not Porn is this... I like to call it a movement rather than a company or a brand, but it's a company kind of started by Cindy Gallup, who is this powerhouse of a woman and absolutely amazing business mind and woman and person. And basically, she kind of realized that people, society doesn't have a good, healthy relationship to sex. There's not good, healthy, communicative sex out there. Yeah. Big, like that happens in itself. Like society has a terrible habit of not talking about sex and sexuality and communicating within sex is something that rarely happens. And then to make that problem worse, you've got porn and free porn, which is so easily accessible. And that's what a lot of people look look to, to learn. So it ends up being more is about simply. Oh, Belle, sorry, you keep. Camera on and do what you'd normally do. Oh, sorry, you keep dropping out. Um, just, but yeah, just bear with me one moment. I'm just going to hit pause um, and I'm just going to ask you that question again. I'm so sorry. I don't know. Um, okay, sorry about that, folks. Um, the the signal was dropping um, a little bit. So, and as you know, I don't edit my podcast. Well, I try not to. So, um, Belle, if you could just tell us a little bit again about Make Love Not Pawn. Um, thank you so much. Yeah, no, I'll go over it again. Happy to. I'll talk about it till the cows come home. <laughs> basically, people who don't know, Make Love Not Porn is this fantastic, refer to it as like a community or a movement, but basically it's this company that's been started by Cindy Gallup, who is this powerhouse of a woman. Tour de force. Amazing. And basically, it's about the social sex revolution. It's filming your real world sex, whether that's your solo sex, which is what I do at the moment because I don't have a partner, whether it's your solo sex or if you're a couple, it's your sex. If you like have more than one partner at the time, whatever it is, it's just capturing your real life sex, filming it and sharing it with the social sex revolution, the make love not porn community. And the reason that Cindy started this is because Society as a whole has a terrible relationship with sex and sexuality. Yeah. Like, if we look at society, everything in society is about being social, it's about being shared. You'd socialize around your favorite films, your favorite books, all that type of stuff, your favorite food. Everything is a social activity. Everything you talk about, what your favorite things are, except sex. That's supposed to be locked behind a closed door. And because it's not something that's talked about, it means that people don't have good, healthy relationships with sex and sexuality. And part of having good, healthy sexual relationships is having good communication, something that's yeah. really lacking as well. And then to make that problem, which on its own is awful, to make it worse, we have the m massive 
amount of free porn available due to the internet and that's what a lot of people especially young people turn to to learn sex yeah and they pick up these terrible habits as to this is what sex is supposed to be and basically make love not porn at the end all it's trying to push is basically knowing that you know the difference between porn and real world sex like it doesn't say porn is bad porn is great but just knowing that porn is entertainment it's this performance art yeah real world sex is real world sex and through Make Love Not Porn, it's about sharing the sex you have. And I think it's such a beautiful thing, and I hope it does become more normalized and more mainstream, because there's just something about seeing a body that looks like you. Yes. Having pleasure. Agree, yeah. Like, you're just like, I can do that. like, Or I'm allowed to have that pleasure. Like, you know, so yeah, I think it's a beautiful thing. And I just hope more people get on board with it social that sounds absolutely amazing and it sounds like something that i wish um i would have found a long time ago um i used to really struggle to i mean i've been watching porn for the longest time like for fucking years um my husband says um, that it's a quote from a film um, that I, I've been jerking my dick like a fucking pilgrim. So <laughs> I've literally been jacking off for the longest time. So, um, and I remember um, actually finding a, a porno um, that belonged to my dad and it was it was lovely it was all um, black it was black straight um, straight sex um, so that was my first experience and then somewhere over time I kind of stopped like I, I couldn't physically watch um, two black people have sex um, I feel as though mainstream porn made it seem really animalistic it was it was vulgar um it just felt unnatural um and it really really put um uh how do i say it really kind of hindered my relationship with black men because and i think it's because i was so into watching palm that that's how oh my god like if if it gets to it and you know i when it's time to have sex with a black man is that how it's going to be because it looks it looks nice, but it looks also quite, um, I don't know, just quite rough. And, and like I said, animalistic. And, you know, like you said, porn is so, is so responsible for how we, how we see, we view sex, um, with, with ourselves and with other people. And I think this movement is, is, is amazing because like I said, when I saw your, your videos i was just like this is fucking stunning like this is what i want to see this is everything that i want to see because it's you know it's normal it's just it's it's people that i know having sex and i really um i went from watching like the strangest shit um, and now I actively seek out um, amateur couples. And even that's still a bit, you know, like a bit showy. It still doesn't seem very real. Um, so I think I might sign up. I might even post some content. How does it all work? 
Yeah, and that's the great thing about Make Love Not Porn, which, like, they are so ethical, like, you couldn't get more ethical. Like, that's what I love about them. But basically, the way it works is that you can't, like, their videos can't leave their platform. Like, um, so they can't be downloaded. Like, so if you sign up as a member, they've got different types of memberships, um, or you can just rent videos individually or you can get subscriptions it's all it lays it out really easily which way you want to go but basically if you see a movie that you like you rent it for like a set price and you keep it for like a three week period so you can <laughs> jack your heart's content during that <laughs> usually which is what happened with myself if you end up finding a video that you really like you'll end up renting it again just because of how good it was um, yeah but basically like so to submit a video like they need like two copies of like the license or, or not license but id of every single person in it so say if it's just me on my own that's just my id if it's me and a partner like and we just have uh... set up, that's both of our ids but say if you're like you know if it's me on my own but i have like a friend record me then I'd need the idea of my friend as well. So it's all about making sure everyone involved, even off camera, is above the age of 18. And then the videos can't leave their platform. So like it can't be downloaded. It won't appear somewhere else. Like it's really locked in behind their platform. And then the other thing as well is that if at any point you don't want your video to be up there, you just message them, they take it down straight away. So say you submitted your content as part of a couple and then that couple ends up breaking up. If they like ask for the videos to be taken down, they'll be removed immediately. So they're so ethical. And then the best part as well is they're a 50% like payment, like payment model. So effectively, the Make Love Not Porn star which is what they refer to them as. Um, <laughs> I love that. 50% of the video fee. That's exactly. fantastic. Like, it's... Yeah, it's great. So, basically, you can make money off your real-world sex. <laughs> this is everything that my ears needed to hear tonight because I feel... I actually... I think you posted something... I think it might have been on because either Saturday or Sunday and I actually went over to the website but lo and behold I was distracted by my child so I didn't actually get to um look into it into too much detail but um that sounds really like so up my street I mean I I had um an OnlyFans and it was okay but I just didn't feel safe going doing what I wanted to do because obviously um, the screen records, screenshots and people can share. I've seen people share shit um, over Twitter. And I also have to take into as, as sexual and as and open as I am, I also have to take into consideration that I have a child. So I have to be careful um, what I put out there and what I want to put out there is just beautiful just be some beautiful fucking like I'm I'm so I'm so vulgar for a start like absolutely vulgar um but <laughs> and I keep trying to get my partner involved and he's just like um he's having absolutely none of it so that's also really good to know that if I I could not physically upload a video of me and my partner my husband sorry if without his his ID 
So. Everyone's like ID needs to be rec- in like a copy of it on file for a video to be accepted, and then like another thing about the make love. I feel like I'm a spokesperson. Like I'm just. Like, I'm just like, <laughs> I, I just love it so much. Um, like, another another thing as well um, about their platform. So yeah, like IDs for everyone involved is like they're kind of like they're main thing but also they have everything is human curated so basically every video gets watched by one of their curators from start to finish before it gets approved to be uploaded so the reason that they might do that is like say you're getting your love on you're getting your groove on to your favorite spotify playlist if you have that sound in the background a lot of that could be copyright music so that can't be included so that's why they kind of watch everything from start to finish and then say oh we can hear this song so unfortunately you have to re-upload without the sound or film it again with you know like that's kind of another thing but yeah everything is curated so there's no way that something will get up that hasn't kind of been given the stamp of approval like so it's such a brilliant platform so yeah that's fantastic we definitely we definitely need more more platforms like i mean obviously go to make love not pawn everyone (laughs) but it would be great to see more platforms um like this that you know can educate people on set the right way you know like you said there's there's nothing wrong with porn i just feel like many people you know it is it is entertainment and it's so i have this whole thing because i'm i'm quite um I'm entirely submissive. I'm dominant in life, but um, I'm I'm quite the sub. I really, really enjoy it. And um, I've met people who have watched porn and to them like a daddy or a dom is kind of just absolutely violating a sub and going against everything that this person wants and no matter how much you communicate with them it's just like no like this is a free-for-all and I think that's something that in my experience this is something that um you know porn especially um you know straight men I think it's something that has taught men you know that you know it's it's okay to be like that but even when I watch some of the um oh what were they called now um oh shit I can't remember the name of the series but it was um it's like a fuck dungeon and usually it's um one girl and and two guys and they're really really going in so I also love um BDSM and they always do like like they show the aftercare and it's just really nice to hear those men say you know it's it's absolutely not about us um it you know it's about her like there's so much power and being um, submissive but I think there's a lot of porn out there that gives men um, the wrong idea and that's where things start to get a little bit messy so hopefully with the the rise in um, platforms like Make Love Not Porn um, you know we can we can start to but you know I'd be mortified if I knew my son just can I want him to be able to come to me and ask me these questions but I also want him to be able to go out and do the work himself and I'd be absolutely mortified if he found him himself in a situation where he um took advantage of someone because of you know because they were sub or because they you know they had a particular kink because you know 
the it's my job to educate him but it's also you know how do i stop him from seeing the shit that you know he really shouldn't be exactly and i think that's like uh comes back to it as well like kind of what was mentioned earlier about our wider social issue of not talking about sex yeah because of the fact that we don't talk about sex as a society means we don't talk about porn like we don't have porn literacy education so we don't have that education of educating anyone who's about to click on any form of pornographic material that this is professionals putting on a performance so even like so yes i definitely think there's a lot of problems with a lot of the porn out there like the way they portray a lot of stuff like yeah i think there's a lot of problematic material out there but that's like doesn't mean porn itself is bad it just means that there's problematic porn in the same yeah any media we consume whether it's films books like everything there's problematic material everywhere but that doesn't mean that medium itself is bad so yeah it's one of those things we just need to teach that literacy so people can tell the difference between ethically made porn and something that hasn't been made ethically so they can know the difference and like part of knowing that difference is just talking about sex like, yeah I don't know what it was like for yourself kind of growing up in the uk but like i grew up here in ireland and we are an incredibly sex negative country mainly because we still are like like surviving under the weight of the catholic church like that yeah part of irish society for such a long time of our country's history so we're such a sex negative culture like so many people that i know like even my age have a problem saying like the word penis and vagina like they'll use different words for it they won't even use the actual words wow you know like it's such a problem (laughs) yeah and do you think that's changing or like is it kind of like how how is it it's slowly changing but the fact that here in ireland this week they announced the like there's this new maternity hospital that's opening and the maternity hospital is being run by nuns a catholic organization a catholic organization of nuns should not have any involvement in reproductive health like no yeah ireland is slowly getting better in some instances but in reality we're still miles behind (laughs) yeah i think um it's kind of similar with um with black culture um especially caribbean i mean i in my experience um where do I even go with this? This is such like a broad topic. But like in in my experience, um, being um, of, you know, Jamaican heritage, um, there's a lot, there's, I've always been surrounded by um, eroticism and, you know, whether it's movement or um, kisses or touches, you know, I've not been, I've not been wrongly exposed to sex, but I'm quite aware, you know, my parents have never really shied away from me and they have been quite open and you know my my mum has had like so many experiences in her life um that I can't really go into because I prefer to have her consent to you know to discuss those topics but she has been incredibly open with me despite her her history and the stuff that you know the things that she's been through so yeah so for for one I'm from um a quite a quite an open um 
you know family um from and it's always it's always just been me and my mum so she's always sat me down and you know we've always had conversations and I've always felt that I could go to her and have conversations about anything without her judging me or making me feel as though you know what I've done was wrong and um, she's always been really really um really supportive um i mean and jamaicans have um dance hall which is a wildly explicit form of dance so the sexuality and that eroticism has always been there but i also think because um jamaicans are quite heavily christian there's there's the openness but there's still the kind of there there is still that little bit of judgment there um and i feel like they could do better to be more accepting of of everyone um so where we're probably um ahead of the curve in you know in, in, in comparison to other places and other cultures um we jamaica still has um has a lot of work to do um which is why i started the melanin queens classes as well it's just to kind of help black women um really embrace that sexuality um you know and not to feel as though they have to apologize for touching their pussy it's theirs like go for it so you know that that's been really 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 important um to me and and like you i think there's still even in the uk there's still a lot of work to be done um but it is nice to see that you know that things are changing i kind of wish we could all go back to just being hippies and it was just like just free love no one gave a shit and you know we're all gonna fucking take acid and just love one another and you know that's in my head like that's the perfect world but i'm sure even back then um the hippie community had their their um their problems so uh, I I really love that you're sex positive and talking to you now and finding out about how you came to the realization that you are non-binary and it like you know when everything just kind of clicks and everything it just makes the whole story even even more beautiful um so talk to me about like why you're so um why you are so sex positive and you know why why is it so important to you um i think you've touched on it anyway but let's uh let's get down to it no um well like at the crux of it i am very much someone who just loves sex and sexuality like yes i like when it comes to like love languages physical touch is one of my love languages yes so like that's just always been me and I just love sex but I love good sex like it's not just sex itself I love good fun sex and yeah everything about sex like um and that's just me but also as well I think another reason why I'm so sex positive and also why I'm a big advocate for kind of like body acceptance and stuff like that is I was raised as a naturist by my parents. So, oh, fantastic! Yeah, so we used to go to the nudist beaches like with me, like my parents, my siblings and my grandparents. And yeah, so it always like just gave me this like kind of just acceptance of this is just my body like has there been moments throughout my life where i've loved every part of my body no of course not because i don't think that's always possible but i've never hated my body i've always accepted that this is my body um but i definitely had a lot more 
of a distance from my body when I thought I was a man. Yeah. Because of the fact that I wasn't being true to myself. So over the last year, after accepting myself as non-binary, I've really just kind of come into my body. I've really accepted my body for what it is, the beauty that it is, and that, yeah, I'm just a sexy motherfucker. And <laughs> you are. <laughs> You definitely are. <laughs> but um, yeah, I've just, I just like, have always loved sex. Like, I'm an exhibitionist, as you can probably tell from the fact that I share my content on like make love not porn. And I've also recently as well decided that you know what, I'm also going to throw some stuff up on Pornhub as well because I yes, like I just like knowing people are watching me. Like, yes, <laughs> yes, I love this. Like, I, I love like you are my dream. You have to come to England. You have to. Like, it would be such a shame if we didn't meet. I, would like I, I it won't stand this won't stand I won't have it I won't have it like we would have like the most fun time all the booze all the talking watching all the porn I am actively going to seek you out on Pornhub because like I said you you stir something delicious up in my loins and it's a brand new feeling and I'm so here for it like I am loving that feeling it's so new to me who would have thought at 35 years old master i've been masturbating since the dawn of day that this whole new feeling would emerge from just just meeting one person <laughs> hallelujah <laughs> oh god all warm and fuzzy inside yeah no like no. <laughs> it's fantastic i i love it i love it but yeah no like I've just always just like I love talking about sex like I've always been the one person like even even though I've always found it hard making friends because again I was never really me so like yeah it's always kind of like like the last kind of 12 life has been my larded everything before then was kind of like prologue <laughs> my life has only started earlier life like in my the friends groups that I had I would the one friend that anyone could kind of come to that just, I was always talking about it it was just me <laughs> it was and so yeah I've just always been a sex I love that I'm so sorry this bloody internet is playing up again can you hear me okay advocate of never oh yeah yuck someone else's yum <laughs> yeah but i love that and i've never heard that phrase before um in my life but um i really do love that especially when it comes to um like i'm i'm the same as you like i've always been very um very aware of my sexuality i think i knew very 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 young that like like really early on that um, I was not just interested in in boys. Um, I always knew that. Um, I've never been discouraged from from exploring that or talking about that. Um, and again, I've I've watched porn from an early age. Um, I've explored my body from an early age, and the, you know, there's absolutely no no shame in that. And I think um, going through um, high school, a lot of the other mums 
um, assumed that I was a bad influence because of, you know, I, I was, I was mentally, I was older and physically I, you know, I, I looked older than, than my, my friends who were all white. I was the only black one. Um, so I feel as though like a lot of my friends' mums kind of didn't want their daughters hanging out with me and for that reason because you know I, I was always talking about sex and blowjobs and all of this like I'd be like oh my god I flicked my beans so hard last night my friends would be like Ew, oh my god and I'd be like what like don't you do it um and the the really really weird thing is that I by the time I got I, I actually didn't have sex until I was 19 years old and I was in a long-term relationship. Um, and all of my friends had had had, had sex um, by, by year nine. So I'm talking like 14, 15 years old. Um, so it just really goes to show as well how people perceive um those of us who are open with our sexuality and really sex positive you know we're we're slags we're sluts we're whores and really mm, honey go and take a look in the mirror because and there's nothing wrong with that there's nothing wrong with that if you you fuck who you want to fuck like I'm, I'm so here for that but it's just you know it's like you yeah like there's absolutely no it's unnecessary because you don't know someone's story. You don't know why someone, you know, is, you know, the way, is it is the way they is? Are they, are the way they are? That's it. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> my name is Beans and I don't know words. Um, you don't know why someone- It's been a Monday. <laughs> it's been a long fucking day. Help me. Um, and so, yeah, look, so I, let's, let's talk about um, kinks. I'm so so you mentioned um exhibitionism oh my god why can't I speak exhibitionism um do you have like any other um kinks that you'd be happy to discuss with us oh where do we start (laughs) (laughs) I had a feeling that would be the answer (laughs) Um, but uh yeah no I've gone yeah like it's just like or how long do we have? <laughs> no. Um, no, it's fine. Chat away. But yeah, like, there's definitely, like, it's it's interesting. Like, I've always kind of classified myself as someone who's kinky and into kinky stuff. But there's a lot of stuff I haven't kind of experienced. It's more that I just know I want to try it. And yeah. I'm only kind of really starting to explore kink and different stuff like that. And then the pandemic happened. But um, <laughs> yeah. my main, like, I guess my number one or two number ones I guess but I don't know but my number one kind of kink that like I've had for as long as I can remember and there's lots of reasons why I have it but water sports or oh nice like pee pissing for those who don't know basically anything involving (laughs) piss that's what I'm into so do you like to be pissed on or, or are you just into the whole thing the whole thing, everything, yeah. under, everything under the umbrella. Like, um, like <laughs> I oh, nice. Umbrella. <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> oh my god, you couldn't have timed that better. That was perfect. <laughs> but, <laughs> um, it's something that I've always known I've been into, and. 
it's like speaking about kinks it's something that i always love to talk about and i think it's important to talk about because a lot of the times when people kind of talk about sex positivity it just revolves around being actively sexual but yeah touches on kinks yeah that that has to be involved with it and a huge like part of kink um is that it can help people kind of process and deal with traumatic event and that's kind of something where my kind of kink comes from uh, because ah. one thing when I was younger I used to wet myself a lot but most kids do not every kid ends up having a kink of water sports but that was something that I remember enjoying the warmth and I was like huh this is nice and so that was younger that happened a lot but the main one was when I was in secondary school or high school um, I would I think I was in my maybe my first or second year so this would have been maybe age 13 around uh, yeah and um, I had a cubicle in the boys bathroom and a group of five other boys basically dumped a effectively a bucket of piss over me when I was in the stall yeah and yeah that happened and that wasn't nice at the time. No. But I realized um, that after kind of realizing that I was into this kink, I think that was definitely one of the moments that really kind of kicked it into being something. So it's a kind of like way of me reclaiming that power. Yeah. I'm choosing for this to happen. I want this to happen to me. And that is fantastic. That's really great knowing that yeah. I'm choosing. Yeah, that's, I mean, I've, now that you've said it, like, I, I've never really, really thought that's why these conversations are so important. Like, they are so important because I've never really thought of it that way that, you know, like, it kinks, um, can, can help us with, with trauma. Um, but now that you've said that and I'm thinking about some of the things that I'm into, it absolutely makes so much sense. Um, especially when you talk about, um, how, you can you know the the reclamation of of power and how you know it's it's not anything to you know be ashamed of and and again how in sex positivity when people are having those talks nobody really wants to um talk about kinks because there's so much shame around them um but yeah like that makes so much sense that makes thank you for that bell like that really makes so much sense. Yeah. I'm going to make a list of my kinks tonight and I'm going to be like, oh yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, anything else? So we, we like water sports. Um, yeah, the other one that I'm big into is pegging. So like Ooh. being on the end of a strap on, I really like that. Um, and I got to experience it for the first time with a local sex worker. And it was fantastic. And one of the best oh. I've ever had. Um, yeah, but that's something I'm really into as well. <laughs> that is, that's, I hope everyone listen, is listening to this. I hope you're listening. Like, this is probably one of the best conversations you're ever going to sit in on. Um, like, I'm actually so quiet because I'm just really taking everything in. This is the first time I've not been um, super loud because I'm literally just taking everything in. 
Um, so the did you did you go to the sex worker because you felt as though obviously um you're not in a relationship or you don't have like a sexual um partner at the moment so um you thought oh sex well, worker I, yeah i am currently single but i also am polyamorous and ethically non-monogamous so right any, like i've always like hiring sex workers is it's just something that i enjoy and um, yeah because I love sex and a lot of the times if there's a particular sexual service or a sexual act that I know I'm into like say water sports or pegging or something like that going to a professional who specializes yes. in activity makes a lot of sense because they know what they're doing and they can make a really good experience for you and um, so I am polyamorous and I'm ethically non-monogamous so kind of any time that I am at that place of entering a new relationship it is something I'm upfront about that look you know this is something that i like to do from time to time if that's something that you're not okay with then a relationship isn't going to be possible because yeah i like to do and like yeah it's just because sometimes i you just want to have the sexual experience without necessarily having the full entanglement of, of yeah because a new connection or a new partner yeah also as well some something that i've always felt is that i think it's more like it feels less icky or yeah more ethical i think to go to a sex worker than it is to try and get a one-night stand by deliberately flirting and buying lots of drinks in the hope of getting a hookup and then never interacting with that person again I think hiring a sex worker is a more ethical choice and should be something that's more normalized. Yeah, absolutely. Because you know what, like, I agree, like, because it's, you know, it's a, it's a service and it should be treated like any other service. Um, and again, like, it's just the, these people who were so um, closed-minded and, oh, it's, you know, it's not liberating, it's um, it's harmful and it's disgusting and it should be criminal criminalised and let's make it unsafe for people to make money and for people to enjoy themselves. And I think these people thinking that they are... Um, freeing us but what they're actually doing is oppressing us um, everybody has the right to be happy everybody has the right to to earn money um, ha- you know ha- as long as you're not murdering anyone it, you know it's like sex sex is a joyful thing it's it's such a it's for me especially like given you know the I'm I'm plus I am um, black um and i've had mental health problems and there was a time that like sex has really helped me to to feel um powerful and because i understand no matter how shit i feel and no matter how much i i hated myself i knew that once whether i was alone or with someone it felt good it it felt so good and there was a point where i was like oh like am i actually addicted to it and i did go to um sex a sex addicts like place and um, it was shit 
I lasted like I literally went to one and I was just like absolutely not um it was in a church they were obviously going to make me feel like shit so I was like nah no thank you so I just kind of thought you know what this is who I am like I don't need to oppress myself and I if if people want to call me a slut or a whore or whatever then fine like that's a badge that I will I will proudly wear because I know myself entirely through exploring my sexuality so you know why not exactly and like you said um like you know if if someone judges you like judges me like if someone says oh you're being such a slut whatever i'm just like yes that's great (laughs) yeah yeah i love sex and i'm having lots of it why is that a bad thing (laughs) like you know it's just it's just i just can't stand it's it's mind-blowing yeah it's just like it's something that I like. Uh, I'm like encountering from all fields because um, I'm non-binary, so I've got transphobic people. I'm bisexual, or maybe omnisexual because yeah. I'm into all genders, but I do have a preference at times. So, but I like bisexual. Um, so okay. People who don't understand not being able to choose one coming at me, and then. I'm a slut. I've got people who are like, you know, judgy coming at them. They're just like, I've got people from all corners. It's just, it's a... I'm just going to be me. Yeah, it's a lot to deal with. And I think, you know, we can spend so much time... you know, beating ourselves up and, you know, letting those those voices that don't really matter, those opinions that don't really matter. You know, we can spend so much time beating ourselves up over that, but essentially I think it's so important to to learn how to just not give a shit, not give a fuck, because those opinions really, really, really don't matter. Like what we choose to do, who we choose to love, how we choose to dress, how we identify, has got absolutely fuck all to do with anyone. Like that's what people are failing to realize. And that's why I find this whole thing so frustrating because it's like, what business is it of yours? Like, am I, I'm not doing, like, I didn't even know you existed until three seconds ago when you tried to troll me. Like, I literally... So if my existence bothers you that much, like, you really need to take a look at yourself. And I always think those people... um that so my mum used to always say you know when everybody says anybody and when everybody says anything to you it's usually because they're jealous and then over time I was like mm, no that's a bit like a bit of an ego you know an egotistical way of looking at it but now I've done like a complete I, I always say a 360 but I don't know how many degrees a, a circle is uh it's 360 isn't it yeah <laughs> Um, I've done a complete 360. I'm like, those words and all this venom that people are projecting onto us um, is a true reflection of themselves. So when someone calls you weak, like that's how they see themselves. Um, People who have such a huge issue with um, sexuality, it's like, "Mm, are you just a little bit jealous because you're stuck and like, you know, you don't really know what to do. So you're just going to project all this hate. And it's like, hon, if you just came and had a conversation, I'm sure we could like figure out what your deal is or, you know, but they automatically see people like us as like less than. Yeah, there's so much involved. But I definitely think that that quote from your mom, it does really touch on something. Yeah. Like I definitely feel like 
maybe it's not jealousy per se i think it's more probably envy yeah yeah i think it is and i do think that's an element of it like i think like particularly because like you know when we talk about like gender norms the gender norms that we talk about they only really exist in the global north in the western world because they are one of the many gifts of colonialism yes (laughs) gender norms didn't exist in like africa or other parts of the world until they were colonized by britain and other terrible places (laughs) not to but um historically um but by the colonial empires but basically when it comes to gender gender i feel like when i'm being my true self and I'm dressing however the fuck I want if I'm like dressing androgynously or if I'm dressing high femme and I'm going out in the world and I feel like anyone who kind of judges me or even like says something deep down like subconsciously I think they are envious of the fact that they cannot be their true self yeah that's what I think and that's why I choose to be so public on all my social platforms, why I choose to just put myself out there and be myself authentically. Yeah. Kind of circling back to what you mentioned earlier about representation, if just me putting myself out there helps one person accept themselves, then I could kind of say I've done something good in my life. Like, yes. And when I actually announced, like, I like, you said that you had interviewed your friend last week, kind of, and it was talking about coming out and stuff like that. That's another concept which I don't, like, I never really like for myself. I prefer to say coming home. Yeah, that's nice. I've always been me. This has always been been who I am I just never was able to accept it so I've come home to the person I've always been like I don't like coming out because that suggests that being straight and is the norm yes it's just one of the many possibilities so uh, yeah I've come into myself I've come home to myself and after I did that and I kind of put up a big post on my like Facebook and everything I got a message from one of my cousins in Canada kind of saying I just want to thank you for your like you know like courage and bravery yeah like it really gave me like made me have a sit down and kind of talk with my daughters about accepting people for who they are and I was just like wow I wasn't expecting that but that's so nice (laughs) yeah that's really nice it it is so important but you know it's I feel as though um, the media and like the world is run by people that don't want people like us to be who we are, Um, which is why it's such a shame that Instagram has started the shadow banning and um, silencing people. Because I remember when I first went onto Instagram and it was, I I could type in a hashtag and see people who, who looked like me um, living their best lives which really it kept me alive it kept me alive like knowing that okay if this person can do it they look like me because I really struggled I really really struggled um, and I don't live in an area where there are many people back then there weren't 
many people that you know that that looks like me so it's it's always been um i think that's why i'm so like wild and i think that's why i kind of don't give a fuck because there were no i feel like i've had no rules i've had no rules set for me um and anytime i have felt like shit it's because oh shit like should i be conforming like should i be like should i be doing this should i be doing that um we never absolutely not no absolutely not so yeah like um yeah representation is is especially today like it's it's so 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 important i feel like um yeah like the media just really really lets us down like when you think about kinks it's always a gimp mask and it's always a fucking weirdo and um you know yeah like what the fuck (laughs) what the actual fuck like oh my god like oh (sighs) god exactly there's never i think that's the thing it's because the media run by old white men. Like, yeah. Like at the end of the day, or at least a few white women, but it's that's who runs the media. So the media we get is what they think. Yeah. People want. And it's just like, just get black people in positions of power, get queer people, get exactly people, like get everyone but white people in positions yeah. of power. And we will get the best, most diverse media out there, and it would just be beautiful. And I just like that's just what I like. I yeah, same. A more beautiful, accepting, diverse world. And <laughs> I do feel it. I do feel at times that we are making steps in the right direction. In this, like, in, as one example here in Ireland, there's this brilliant. Uh, LGBT like kind of non-profit organization called Belong To which focuses on queer youth in Ireland and yeah there's loads of schools that have partnered with them so there's lots of like people being openly LGBTQ accepting themselves as young people in schools and I love that because when I went to school I knew I was bisexual from probably age 13 14 but I never, it wasn't something that I kind of talk about or yeah. out there because it just wasn't like, and that's only t- like 15 years ago. Like, so it's in a short amount of time, we are seeing some progress and some change and it's great, but we're still not where we need to be. No yeah, no, like, it, and I, I find it quite, um, sometimes I do get a bit anxious about it and, and I worry because, um, you know, I, I've brought a whole from from a, a motherhood, a mother, a mother's point of view. Um, you know, I brought a whole child into this world, and um, for the longest time, I mean, I knew that I always wanted to be a mum. Like I, I knew that, um, and you know, we had some fertility issues, and uh, I was told I, I I could never have kids. So I was just kind of like, okay, like that's cool. I'll deal with it, whatever. And then this baby comes along and right before he comes along, I'm having these, I saw the world start to change. It's like, I could really see it for what it was. And um, my worries for my son as a black boy, you know, like, you know, what if he, you know, just 
wants to love another boy like what if he what if he he is not a he and he's non-binary and it's going to be so hard for him because because of how he looks like on you know on top of all of that he his skin is black so it's like an extra layer of shit for him to deal with and then once he was here and I remember holding him in the hospital and just thinking you know what we fucking got this like I am surrounded by through the polling industry and filthy Friday I'm surrounded by some of the most magical, magical people. And um, I remember my mum, you know, she's raised me um, in such a... A, a di- was such a diverse group of friends. Like, all of her friends were so different and... I think that's that's really had an impact on how how I've grown. So I'm thinking to myself now, you know what? Like we've absolutely got this kid. Like you, you're gonna see um, mummy's sex worker friends. You're gonna go to the studio and see everyone, not just not not women, but everyone, everyone in heels living their best life. You're gonna see so many different bodies and get to know so many different people. I want you to ask all the questions like, you know, so the outside world is still a bit of a worry for me, but that shit for me starts at home. So if I can do that for him in now, like, at home then you know there's hopefully he should feel okay um and it it shouldn't be as difficult um for him to to be whoever he wants to be um because people like you exist Belle and it makes the world such a wonderful place I love it (laughs) but yeah no just everything you're saying there is just so and I think just from the fact that you're saying that, just from the fact that it's something that you're concerned about, one, it shows a testament to the fact that what a good job your mom did raising you, but also as well, it just shows that, you know, it, your son, your child will, you know, it'll turn out good. Cause like, you're right. It does start at home. Like the yeah. outside world is the outside world. Whatever's going on there, Apparent, like a parent's job like I'm not a parent so I can't say what a parent's job is but you know in a, in the broader sense it's preparing your children for the world but, yeah and, you know educating them and like yeah so yeah no just everything you're saying there I'm just like nodding and I'm just like the, yes you got this and also the fact that it's something you know as you said you were kind of concerned about bringing a child into the world noticing the changes in the world that shows that you're going to be a good parent rather than I hope so well that's what I think because I think there's definitely a lot of people who don't have those concerns when you know yeah yeah it's like so yeah it's a tricky thing like and like I for myself I'm always flip-flopping as in I kind of think I'd be a great parent like I think I'd love to do it but I also don't know if I ever actually want to have my own kids like I kind of think yeah I'm getting older like I might like to do kind of like fostering and stuff like that yeah something I might that's such an important role yeah definitely like yeah and like fostering like like teenagers and stuff like that like like the one you know because I think a lot of the when it comes to adoption and fostering and stuff like that a lot of it looks at younger kids and I think yes. there's a lot of teenagers that kind of get forgotten and that's kind of something that 
like I would possibly want to do when I'm older. I don't know. So yeah, I'm still like undecided whether I want a child-free life or if I want a eventual. Health. Yeah. <laughs> It's always There's, changing. <laughs> yeah, same. And it, and it did with me, even though there was that kind because me and my mum um, were so close, there was always that, I think from a very young age, I just kind of knew, well, you know, well, I want this. And, you know, it was, it wasn't easy. Don't get me wrong, but like, she is my absolute life. And I can't, I, I definitely knew that at some point I really, I really wanted that for myself. So to find out um, at such a young age that, my chances of having ever been a mum were very slim. Um, Well, to naturally conceive were were really slim and was heartbreaking. Um, And yeah, for the longest time, I was just like, no, I don't want to do it. I'm quite happy being... Um, being the cool aunt and just you know maybe I maybe I will foster um, like you know who knows and I, I think that's you know people shouldn't feel I think that society does put a lot of pressure on people to make that dis- decision and and you really don't need to you really don't need to at all like you shouldn't I mean, obviously, the argument that people have is, oh, well, you don't want to leave it too late. Like, once you get to a certain age, and scientifically, yes, that's proven, but also, like, shit shit outside of science, you know, uh, it can happen too. Like, you know, there are 50-year-old women and 50-year-old people having children or, like you said, and fostering and adopting. There's not just one option for people. So why do we need to worry about it and start making plans so soon shouldn't shouldn't we just live a bit first exactly and i think that uh just when you're saying about that social pressure that gets put on people that's something i wasn't really kind of acutely aware of until i started dating as a polyamorous person yeah because once you kind of get off that track of monogamy you realize how much pressure there is on people that are dating because like when you're like polyamorous or ethically non-monogamous relationships look completely different like in the monogamous side of things you kind of have to deal with the relationship escalator you know which yeah. is kind of the whole thing of start dating move in get married have kids like there's that's that's what a relationship is if not yeah then it hasn't been a relationship and there's so much pressure into relationships when you're getting into it that there's almost that expectation that that has to happen if it doesn't happen it's been a failed relationship which is really negative because like the way I like to look at it is that any relationship I have that's been a person that's come into my life and that's yeah. a good thing like so a relationship ending isn't a bad thing like relationships end because they weren't you know it couldn't continue that's not a negative thing that's not a failure it just means that there wasn't that compatibility for that type of relationship but yeah you can't still have a friend or whatever but yeah so there's so much social pressure on people to do these different things and if you don't do them then you're somehow a failed human <laughs> I just yeah it's ridiculous isn't it it's ridiculous like haven't isn't it time that we just kind of move away from the from from the idea people are getting depression from this you know people are taking their own lives because of this you know this pressure and this this feeling uh, you know this this ideal um the you know that we we should have our shit together by a certain age and it's just kind of like you know what 
fuck all of that. Like, I'm going to do me, boo-boo, and you you do you, and, you know, we'll be fine. I'm sure we'll meet somewhere in the middle. Um, but, you know, it's just, it's, it's, it is ridiculous. And I think I can kind of see a bit of a shift, and I can see things, um, again, in that respect, are changing. Um, but... Yeah, it's still, you know, we've still got the um, the the groups of people who are like, oh, aren't you married yet? Haven't you settled down yet? It's just like, I thought I'd be fucking shagging Tom, Dick and Harriet until I was like eight. I've got, I've got no intention of slowing down. Even as a mother, again, people are like, oh, you know, you shouldn't, you need to calm down now. Don't you think you should stop pole dancing? Uh, what do you want me to do? Like what, this is who I am. And the annoying thing is, it's like I was because of, because of what I was told and I wasn't expecting to ever have this child. Like I found myself in, t- I didn't have this baby to, to, to fill a void you know he it wasn't to fill a gap it wasn't to make myself feel better it it happened and I'm like okay well you know let's go with it but I found myself entirely as a whole person before having this baby and I know there are some people out there who are like you know I feel I don't feel like a whole person unless I have this child and that's fine but for me it's very different so no I'm not going to stop twerking and I'm not going to stop grabbing myself by the pussy and I'm not going to stop being vulgar because this is who I am what I can do is be cautious around my child because they're impressionable but will I ever change will I fuck absolutely not no that's that's not gonna happen and you know what let me let tell you a little secret I hang around with some really um I'm gonna go with the phrase mumsy mums um in quotes mumsy mums and they fucking love it they are filthy they are disgusting like I've got them talking about oh so did you get some last night uh they're trying out new shit they're trying my I had my um pole heels under my pram the other day and I made my friend try them on outside and she was like oh my god I love them and you know it's like live a little you know we don't we don't have to if that's what you want to do then fine like I'm not here to judge whatever makes you feel good and whatever makes you happy but you know don't feel like you have to change because to fit any any norm you know that that's that's not what we're about 100% I love everything I'm just like nodding and like (laughs) like, yes beans yes (laughs) but uh it's so true and I think that like kind of what you're touching on there it touches on such an important thing is that society doesn't allow mothers to retain their sexuality no not at all you're a mother you're a mother that's it yeah nothing else about it and that's such a problem and you're like you're right like people shouldn't have to change and i think if someone's kind of done the self-work and they've done the reflecting and they've kind of made that decision you know what this is kind of what i want to do for myself that's great you've done the work but if someone's just doing something because that's what the social norm is that's kind of like a bit dangerous yeah like you haven't actually done that work in the same sense that like you know yes people have full control of their lives if you want to have kids have kids but the the people that do it to as you say fill a void a lot of the time they're the people that end up being 
pretty terrible parents. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because they didn't want to be parents. They just wanted to have a kid. And yeah. Yeah. It's like, so a lot of That's people, exactly like, it. A lot of people I know my age, a little bit older, who have had to do heaps and heaps of therapy are like, they're the product of that type of situation. Yeah. Like, yeah, I just think when it comes to, that's why it is really, it's planning a future. Like, you know, at the end of the day, like, but yeah, it's, and people do what you want. No one can say. This is exactly want, it. But, do do what you've got to do. But, um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, just just make sure it's it's for you. And I always say to people that like, you don't you don't have to. There's you don't have to when you're making a choice. You don't have. There's no like right or wrong. The do you know what I mean? It's kind of what works for now what works for you for now you know and then you know we'll we'll hit another speed bump and then we'll do the same thing again and then we'll hit another speed bump and we'll do the same thing again and that's so important in getting to know yourself you know you don't I find that even I was I'm so guilty of doing it of you know sitting down and being like well I want to make the right decision I need to make sure I make the right decision and over time I was like well no I just really need to do what's gonna be work for now it might not be right it might not be wrong like it it just has to work for now and it just has to get me through for as long as it can and then we'll reassess and we'll reassess and we'll you know we'll keep adding these layers but every time I hit those speed bumps through through that kind of thinking um and not allowing myself to be pressured um I felt as though I was kind of adding another like layer to myself you know like I, I was getting I, I was getting to know myself a little bit better and then eventually I felt I kind of felt as though well right okay I'm here and I feel absolutely fucking untouchable and I never thought I'd get that feeling back because it, it, I lost it somewhere and you know just just by not allowing society to to dictate what I should be doing and how I should be doing it and doing things for me that you know that worked in that moment it really allowed me to to experience first of all experience myself um entirely and get to know myself on a whole different level um but you know, I know some people struggle with that, and you know, it it, it is hard. Um, I'd be lying if I said it was. You know, it was easy. It's it's so fucking hard to do that. But you know, we we really need to stop letting the, the this these people talk nonsense and and you know dictate what we should be doing and just fucking go with the flow. Sounds so cliche, doesn't it? When you say just go with the flow, hon. Just go with the flow. <laughs> but it's so true. It's so true. And I think like a big part of that overall problem that links with the social pressure is that, like you said, there's this understanding that you kind of have to make sure it's the 100% right decision. But it's also like there's this kind of understanding of like, you know, you kind of have to be a static person like whereas like human like we're like fluid like you know our entire beings our existence it's on like a wibbly wobbly spectrum like you know so when it comes to your sexuality at one point you might think this is what I'm into this is what I am but that can change so I think there's a lot of pressure for people to kind of find who they are and yeah once they once they kind of say something once they kind of find something that means it can never change that's yeah 
and that's what puts so much pressure on people and makes people like it causes that paralysis of, of this isn't the right decision I shouldn't do anything yeah I think that causes a lot of people not to act I know it caused me not to do a lot of action same here life. and I think again like I think we kind of have like kind of in some ways similar trajectories and that there was just kind of like I guess certain moments in our lives that were just like you know what we just fuck it all for, like it's just me like you know I think some like for me it was the pandemic and being coming non-binary but that kind of like I realised that I can't just you know hope you know make sure it's the right thing before I do I kind of just have to act on my life yeah. do what's best for me and yeah. everything will eventually like work out like you kind of have to trust in the process and that's exactly it like it is working for me in the sense that I was always kind of the person and I think there's so many people who are like that that were kind of had kind of aspirations about what I wanted from my life but I wasn't yeah. really doing anything to get it I was you know it's just kind of like I want this I want that but not doing anything which means it was just kind of this far flung thing in my mind yeah there was no action to make it come into reality and then just like all those changes in my life maybe like no I just kind of have to start doing the action and things will eventually work out I have my podcast because of that I've got a better job for my mental health recently because of that attitude and yeah things are working out which is great <laughs> absolutely like it's just yeah I I can definitely relate to that and I'm sure that like so many people listening can you know can will also be able to relate and that is why um I love this podcast because I just it's so like it's so honest and that's why I want people to get to know you know wonderful people like yourself because it's like oh yeah shit well you know I feel that too yeah I get that and I, and I love that I've really 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 enjoyed our, our conversation I'm probably going to ask you back at some point because I cannot bear to not have you in my life now this is it like you you again you you've awoken the beast is it awoken or awakened awakened Awakened. I don't know anything. They know what I mean. It's fully awake. <laughs> oh, I love that. Um, okay, so one thing that we forgot to speak about, but I, th- I nearly said one thing we forgot to spoke about. I don't know what's wrong with me tonight. It, um, yeah, no. Um, is um, the degendering of fashion. Um, do you want to go into that for a little bit? For to, Oh, my word. <laughs> do you want to tell us a little bit about that? Yes, no, 100%. And it's something that... I try to do daily in the way I dress, but um, basically, degendering fashion is removing the need for gender to come into fashion at all. Because at the moment, particularly again in the Western Global North, our clothing stores are divided in women's and men's, boys and girls, and what is in both of those sections is specific to what is attributed to that gender and what makes no sense is that 
things that are considered like only for women now used to be worn by men hundreds and hundreds of years yeah like high heels and basically you know effectively almost dresses and skirts all those things used to be worn by men and then it changed like so gender norms are what cause so much harm in society and that's why it's so hard for trans and non-binary people to just exist because there's so much ideas of what gender is and degendering fashion is just basically working to remove the need for gender in fashion just let people wear whatever fucking clothing they want to wear it's just i agree yeah have anything and i but i think a big part of degendering fashion is who we see doing it because within like the queer community queer people of color like Alok Vade Menon who's a really big kind of public example but like people of like queer people of color particularly have always been subjected to violence because they don't conform to what's expected of gender and then so they they're like those people have been fighting that degendering of fashion for since the dawn of time really yeah but what we see is say harry styles on the cover of vogue and don't get me wrong harry styles looked amazing in that gown but what we're seeing is basically white men as the forefront of the degenerating yeah. movement and that's so problematic because it's really been queer and trans people of colour who've been at that forefront but they've been the ones subjected to violence but then white men can wear their dresses, do nails and put makeup on and that gets celebrated so it's a there's a bit of a big nuanced conversation that has to happen but effectively at the end of the day degendering fashion is just letting people wear what they book they want to wear like it doesn't cause you any harm like me in what from an outsider's perspective would probably be read as a more masculine body um wearing a dress or a skirt or knee-high socks a collar <laughs> like you know wearing all those quirky like cool um items yeah that get looked as oh that's weird that's not acceptable and it's just like no fuck you I'm wearing what I want to wear because it's great and that's why another reason why I put myself out there so much is to just normalize let people wear what they want to wear and yeah degenerating a fashion is just agreeing to remove the need to have gender in fashion because clothing looks good on people like it just bodies yeah like (laughs) what it just it it really doesn't it just doesn't matter at all does it do you i mean how do do you feel the same about people who would maybe um I'm just going to say overly celebrate because I can't think of words at all tonight. Um, The fact that you are wearing um, what people in society typically see as femme clothing. Like, do you find that equally as annoying? It's like, I'm not doing anything but being me. Um, I get, like, it's kind of tricky because in a way, I'm kind of happy that they are kind of celebrating because so much of what we receive as to what non-binary is supposed to look like is basically this super skinny androgynous 
person. That's yeah. The, and it's white. Like, it's white yeah. as well. There the message is what non-binary looks like because again, society loves to put everyone into a binary as to how people are supposed to look. Uh grind, grinds my gears. But because of the fact that I don't really really go for androgyny that much, I tend to dress very femme. So I think me doing that and be ce being celebrated for it is kind of like acknowledging that non-binary people can look any particular way. Yeah. You know, because me dressing high femme is not like kind of me being celebrated because I'm not a woman, I'm not trans, like I'm non-binary. So me wearing my dressing femme doesn't make me a woman. And I think people celebrating me just for wearing typically femme clothing does like is a good thing because it's them acknowledging that I'm non-binary and wearing yeah that's the way I like to look at it but everyone has their own different takes on it yeah that's true yeah. but it is just good to, to to get the words out there and for people to kind of it just adds another dimension to you know to how people see things and you know again just just feeding information from from your own personal um point of view which is really really fucking important um like yeah uh I've I've really loved this conversation. You know what? I'm probably gonna we have been talking for the longest time, so I'm probably gonna split it. I'm definitely gonna have you back because it was so much fun. Um I know we had some like minor technical um issues, but what I'm gonna do is I'm probably gonna split it into two um parts. So yeah, we, you're, we talked for a while. We did. You're going to be the first two-parter. I'm really, really excited for people to listen to this. And um, just before we um, sign off, um, is there anything you have planned? Um, feel free to use this moment to tell us um, where we can find you. I think you've already done that. Oh, God. Why am I? I'm, I'm asleep. <laughs> my, my mind. <laughs> um, no, um, yeah, so where people can find me, like my name on kind of across my socials, I like to keep it the same name everywhere to make it nice. Um, and it hasn't been taken anywhere else, which is great. But it's <laughs> Mix Bell Morrigan, so that's MX because I'm not a Mr. or a Miss, I am neither. Um, and then Bell, so B-E-L, and that refers to the Celtic sun god, Bellinus. Oh, nice. Morrigan, which is M-O-R-R-I-G-A-N, and that refers to the Celtic goddess of death. And because nice. I think, I, I definitely think when it comes to like my aesthetic, I'm like either goth that's gonna stamp on you, or I am like sundress, cottagecore yes <laughs> that's me i don't you in a sundress is my favorite thing i think i saw something today and you were just loving it and i was like damn damn yes um this is why i don't know what my sexuality is i've got no idea i just i'm, a, I'm attracted to people maybe you can help me because i came out as bi um but then I figured out the panse pansexuality, pansexual oh, words, um, being pansexual was a thing. Um, and then I'm back to being bi. I, I just, I don't know. I am, that's why I don't really talk about it on my social media because I'm kind of like, oh, I, I just am who I am. Like, I don't really, um, I don't, I don't feel like I can find a label for it. 
yeah like um like the one thing is like i like like to say i'm bi and also you can be attracted to me and be bi as well so that's one thing and um, but also like bi is like the umbrella so bi refers to just being attracted to more than one's like gender okay it can break down different ways everyone has their own label for different reasons but basically bisexual effectively means you can be attracted to two or more genders so effectively you're the same gender as yourself or and another gender or any other genders like there's no limit okay what it like it means not all effectively pansexual is you're attracted to all genders and gender doesn't come into it at all meaning that your heart's over parts like effectively it doesn't matter what oh yeah that's yeah yeah, that's definitely yeah that's me and what the the other there's a few others but the one that i kind of think is me is basically omnisexual which basically means you're attracted to all genders but gender does kind of come into how your attraction works and Ah. So like I I can be attracted to like I am attracted to non-binary people, women, men, and I include trans people under the category of women as men because they are women and men. Yeah. But like gender kind of does come into it in the sense that I I'm not really attracted to manly masculine men. Like, yeah. It just doesn't do it for me, but like kind of really soft effeminate men. Oh yeah. So like but, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that's, but at the end of the day, I like to say I'm bi because people understand it. But yeah, it's up to you. Everyone has their own labels. It's their own understanding. And the one thing I'm always an advocate for when it comes to any form of queerness and queer identity is no one no, no one can police your identity. Like, so whatever label suits you, whatever label you find home in, yeah. is valid. Nobody can okay. tell you it's not right. That makes sense. Yeah, so that I think that's another reason um, why I never really um, talk about it is because I just I feel like people just have so much to say, and I found the perfect article, um, sorry, infographic um, last night, and it was um, a black bi woman in an interracial relationship talking about um, how she identifies and how it really is nobody's fucking business, um, and it really resonated with me um, because obviously um, I'm in a in a straight relationship, um, but that doesn't take away from um from who I am because that is very much me and I think for a long time I felt as though I might be um kind of disrespecting my husband but he's never seen it like that and you know we just kind of we do what we do and we live how we live and uh, yeah I think that's just I just didn't want people to kind of look at it and 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 look at us and and judge us and so I just I just kind of left it. That's very fair. And that is something that unfortunately happens a lot. There is a lot of bisexual erasure. But uh, what I will say is you're in a straight passing relationship. But because you're bisexual, your relationship itself isn't straight because you're not straight. You are bisexual. You're in a queer relationship. It just passes as straight from the outside. Like that's that's how I would define it as because I think that's uh, like something for myself as a bisexual person in my past relationships as well i won't go on too long because i know we're at the end but uh, no it's fine like basically uh i would do the same that because i was in a straight passing relationship as in i was dating a woman 
I wouldn't embrace my bisexuality. I wouldn't allow myself to say I'm still bisexual. Yeah. So, like, that's something that bisexual people do a lot because there's a lot of erasure in society. So no, when you're bisexual, it doesn't matter if your partner is the opposite gender. Your relationship is still a queer relationship because you're bisexual. It just looks straight from the outside. But once you know who you are and you love yourself and that's all the, you know, your relationship isn't a straight relationship because you're not straight. That's, that's thank you so much. I just I know I feel like I've gone round in my head like so much over this and like tonight I was tonight years old when I when I realized that I wasn't in a straight relationship. Like that's that's how old I was. Not even today years old, tonight years old, this evening years old. Um Belle, you are absolutely fantastic. You are a dream come true. And it has been so fantastic speaking with you. Um Belle also has their own podcast, um Fishnets and Philosophy. Yes, that is the name of my podcast. Yep. Perfect. Podcast, that's where it is. And yeah, kind of conversations are kind of very similar to this. Very much just honest, open conversations about all the fun, wonderful stuff in life. So yeah, very similar. And I hope people jump along there. And yeah, Mix Bell Morrigan on Twitter, Instagram, Pornhub. <laughs> <laughs> everywhere <laughs> yes so i'll add all your links into the description so people can um check you out and just yeah be on the same kind of um discovery that i am the beast that is awake um bell thank you so 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 much and to the rest of you keep it filthy Thank you for tuning in to this week's episode of Filthy Friday Foreplay. If you'd like to show your support and stay up to date with events, you can catch us on Instagram at PDFilthyFriday. You'll be the first to hear about Filthy Friday events. You'll also have the opportunity to get to know some of the delicious humans who make our community what it is. And finally, to catch all the latest from me, Beanie, you can follow me on Instagram via my main account. I'll leave a link in the description. See you next week.